This afternoon, congregation, we deal with Lord's Day 6 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 6. And there we confess the following. Why must he, the mediator that we need then, be a true and righteous man? He must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which is sin should pay for sin. He must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. Why must he be at the same time true God? He must be true God so that by the power of his divine nature he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness in life. But who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And then the last question and answer, we'll kind of focus on, on the last one. From where do you know this? From the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise. Later he had it proclaimed by the patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he had it fulfilled through his only son. So far our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and including you boys and girls who belong to the Lord. In the time before Christmas we often think about and sing about the, the promise of the first coming of the Savior. Saying about that also in hymn 15. From Isaiah 40, you find those promises, in fact, all through the Old Testament. Many of the Old Testament prophets made specific references to the promise of the coming of the Messiah. Actually, the whole Old Testament uh, is a, a pointing to the coming of the Savior. Jesus himself emphasized that over and over when he was on earth in his discussion with the Jews, with the, the scribes and the, and the Pharisees. He emphasized that the, the Old Testament spoke of him. They were so proud of their knowledge of the Old Testament, and they had a, but they had objections to Jesus' claim that he was the Son of God. And they refused to accept that. It was blasphemous to them. Even with the miracles he did to, to confirm that, they refused to accept that. Now, for us today, it's blasphemous to deny that Jesus is God's Son. But don't forget, most of us grew up with the confession that Jesus is the Son of God in human flesh. But for those Jews, it was a far-reaching claim which they, for which they wanted clear evidence. Well, Jesus provided that evidence by pointing to the Old Testament Scriptures. You don't have to just go by what I say or even what I do. But compare what I say and what I do with what the Old Testament scriptures say. That's what he said. In other words. And he said too, it'll be those Old Testament scriptures which testify against you. If you reject my testimony that I'm the son of God. Moses will testify against you. The Jewish rabbis, you see, they had to read the Old Testament scriptures without all their preconceptions. They needed to read them as the 
the gospel, the good news about the coming of salvation in God's Son, in the flesh, come to save sinners. And that's how we need to read the scriptures today too, as the holy gospel, which proclaims Christ as the mediator we need. And our theme for this afternoon is then the scriptures proclaim the coming of the mediator we need. And we see two things in connection with this. We learn to know Christ from the scriptures. And secondly, we learn to love Christ from the scriptures. First, to know him. The last question and answer of Lord's Day 5 concludes that the mediator we need to uh, reconcile us to God has to be true and righteous man and at the same time, true God. In the first part of, our, of Lord's Day 6, our confession explains more clearly why our mediator Christ had to be righteous man and God at the same time. As sinless man, he had the right to pay for our sins. And as true God, he would be able to bear the burden of the punishment for our sins and, and finish it for us. Because that was an eternal punishment. He had to be divine in order to be able to finish that eternal punishment for us. And this, of course, points to our Lord Jesus Christ as the one who gave, God gave us for our complete salvation. But after the catechism has established that Jesus Christ is the only one who fulfilled the requirements to be our Savior, the catechism asks, from where do you know this? And that's a good question. After all, for such an important life and death matter, you have to know what the grounds for what you base your life are. If they're good grounds, if they're trustworthy grounds, if you're going to base your life on this, then you better know that for sure that, that it's trustworthy. And the catechism replies to that question from where we know this. We know that Jesus is our complete mediator by stating from the Holy Gospel. From the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise and so forth. So we, we don't base what we know and confess about Jesus on our own reasonings or on what great philosophers have thought out, what, what anybody has dreamed up. This is not a history of religions matter. No, God himself first revealed it to us. He spoke. And that's why you can't reason it away either. We base our knowledge of and our hope in Christ on what God says to us in the Holy Gospel. And note that the Catechism speaks of the Holy Gospel in the last answer and not about the Bible or the Word of God as such. Gospel, you know, means good news, joyful news. What makes this book good news, joyful news? It's, about, it's all about the mediator. And it's about our eternal salvation through him. Our eternal rest in God. It's about our complete deliverance from all the sins and misery and all the brokenness of this life in Jesus Christ. It's about our deliverance from death in him. And who wouldn't see that as good news, joyful news? The whole Bible is gospel, good news. I want to emphasize that. There's sometimes people who consider the Bible a book which is kind of restrictive. Restricts your life and thinking, even your happiness. 
And the idea is then that the Bible establishes what you think and believe and that means that you can't really have any thoughts and ideas of your own anymore. How can you live in this modern world if you let yourself be bound by thoughts and doctrines composed ages ago, written down ages ago? We should be therefore free to think and let our thoughts go all over, shouldn't we? Now it's true that there are people who interpret the Bible in a wrong way and and who think that it literally contains all the answers to all the issues you might face in life, also modern life today. If these people run into a situation in which they don't know what to do, they figure they can just look it up in the Bible. Maybe even just open the Bible and they'll be given the answer from God from above through the first words they read in the Bible. But the Catechism doesn't present the Bible as a literal answer book for every single question you might run into in life. No, the Bible is the Holy Gospel. It's not the Holy Answer book, it's the Holy Gospel. The book which tells us all about our deliverance from sin through God's grace in the mediator Jesus Christ and about living in joyful freedom from the bondage of sin and Satan and death in Christ. In that, it's the gospel, the good news of salvation, from beginning to end. The Catechism mentions that God himself revealed the gospel first in paradise already, right after the fall of the human race in Adam and Eve. Then already, God spoke, and he promised that a child would be born out of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. God promised he would bring forth out of the human race a mediator who would atone for the sins of men. He would break the power of Satan and restore God's children to the place God wanted to give them. With him, life forevermore. We sometimes call it the mother promise. That, that promise has worked out further throughout history as recorded in the Bible. It's worked out further when God called Abram out of Ur to Canaan and promises that he and his descendants would be a blessing for all nations on earth. And in the history of Isaac and Jacob and the sons of Jacob, we see how God in his grace continues to work toward the fulfillment of that, that promise, even in spite of the sin of those patriarchs. Sometimes you wonder, is, this gonna, is, is it going to keep going? Yes, it does. God makes sure. God brings Abram's descendants to Egypt and then he delivers them from that place when they're enslaved by Pharaoh and his host. And in that deliverance, Moses is employed by God as a kind of mediator who foreshadows the, the promised mediator, Jesus Christ. And through Moses, God gave the law to his people to teach them how he wants to be served. And the law ends up showing them how desperately they need atonement for their sins, how they need a, a mediator. And so the Lord God also has the tabernacle built and the ceremonial laws with all the sacrifices instituted to show that sinners can live with God as long as there is atonement for sins with blood. Blood has to flow because God's wrath against sins is so great that he cannot leave it unpunished. Other ceremonies of the law pointed to that too. For instance, the most important ceremony of the Old Testament, circumcision, symbolized that blood has to flow and that our old life has to be cut away and we have to be given a new life. And finally, as we confess in Lord's Day 6, God had it all fulfilled through his only Son. 
finally, finally, it all culminates in the coming of the mediator. The person to which all the scriptures pointed. God's promise of salvation came to a head in Jesus Christ. That's the joyful gospel. The promised and needed mediator. The son of God came as true and righteous man. At the same time, true God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Bible is the book of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's how we have to read this book. We have to handle this book. It's not about ancient history as such, though what it says is historical. It's not a book about how ancient people thought about religious matters and how their religion developed or so. No, this is about the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ. The mediator we needed to save us from our sins and misery, to reconcile us to God, bring us back to life again. That's how we have to read all the stories in the Bible. It's all about Jesus. Also the Old Testament ceremonial laws, also the genealogies, also the visions of the prophets. We have to know it all in order to know Christ. Know Him as the mediator we needed, the only mediator between God and men. So know your Bible. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying here. You have to know this to know Christ. Parents, keep reading the story Bible for your children. Get a good story Bible. Read it to your children. Let them know the stories. Let them know the whole Bible because it's all gospel. Gospel of Jesus Christ. We might not see that right away, how it points to Christ. A lot of times, reading sections in the Bible, we wonder how the congregation, it's one fabric. It all points to Christ. Make sure your kids know that too. Learn to know it. Because it's the only way to know your Savior. And it's the only way then you can also come to love your Savior. And that's the, the second point. We wanted to emphasize this afternoon, learn to love Christ from the, the scriptures. In John 5, 39, the Lord Jesus said to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify about me, which testify of me. In other words, if you really study the scripture themselves, Jesus says, you would end up with me. The, the scriptures here are, of course, the Old Testament scriptures. That's the, what he's referring to in John 5. The whole Old Testament pointed to Jesus is what he says himself. As he says at the end of John, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And with those words, our Savior is also addressing us as we're, we're sitting here today. This afternoon. And his words carry even more weight than, than back then to the Pharisees and the Jews. For we also have the New Testament today. It gives a much more clear testimony about the mediator of Jesus Christ. But also as far as the New Testament is concerned, we need to know the scriptures. We need to search the scriptures if we want to know our mediator. Now, maybe some people think that searching the scriptures is the job of ministers alone. 
You have to know and search the Bible in order to make a couple of sermons for Sunday. Or maybe you think that searching the scriptures is just something you need to do when you join a Bible study or so. It's kind of like a a hobby. Congregation, the Bible isn't in in the first place a book for special studies. No, don't forget, this is the gospel, the good news about your salvation. And if you don't understand the whole thing, doesn't matter, read it. The the picture will eventually come in your mind and in your heart too. The the Bible isn't isn't about a book for special studies. No, it's the gospel good news about your salvation, your personal salvation, your Savior. And that's how we ought to treat the Bible too. Imagine that somebody wealthy died and you were included in that person's will and it was sent to you by the lawyer. Here's the will. I'm sure you would read that will very carefully to see exactly what you inherited and what you're supposed to do to get it. You'd read it over and over again, review it again, just to make sure. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Bible is a book in which we need to look and search concerning our inheritance in Christ. It's a will. And we need to search it to see what we get and how we get that. And that's in Christ. Do you ever sit down? Do you ever sit down and actually say, well, I'm not going to read a novel tonight. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm just going to search the scripture. Do you ever do that? Search for comfort in the gospel. Do you... Do you take it and read it for encouragement when you're down? Maybe too. We need it, don't we? We need to be amazed at who Christ is and what he did for us. We need it in order to really come to love him more and more. You know, for some it's a tradition to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And then, you know, when they get to Revelation, you start all over again, start at the beginning. Not a bad tradition. You get to know the whole Bible. But that traditional going through the Bible from beginning to end shouldn't be the only way we deal with the Bible. Because that method also has its limitations. It can easily become a customary reading of the Bible which doesn't say much to you anymore. You read it and close the Bible and don't think about it anymore. No, we need to search the Scriptures too. And so come to know our way around in it. For instance, when there are problems to deal with and we need comfort, we can start somewhere and then, you know, look up related passages. We know our way in the Bible. Not every passage in the Bible is helpful when we need comfort. So it's good to know your way around in the Bible. For instance, we experience, if we experience a great deal of sorrow, then it's good to go through some of the Psalms of Lament. And those psalms then express how we feel and also direct us to the comfort there is in Christ. When you've been out in nature and you rejoice in the beauty of God's creation, then you'll you'll know when you're able to look up places in the Bible where praise for God's work of creation is is mentioned and is brought forward and, and praised. See, we, we have to Get to know the Bible. Search the scriptures. Know our way around in the word 
so we can use it for ourselves and also to help others with it. Need to be at home with the scriptures, comfortable with them. And we know what to do in this situation and that, what the Lord, what our Lord wants us to do. And then we'll especially, and above all, we'll be comfortable with Christ, who is the content of those scriptures. We love to be with him. Our second point was we learn to love Christ from Holy Go- the Holy Gospel. We, we could say that the Bible, which is then so full of Christ, the Bible is not just a will from God, but it's a love letter from God to his church and to you, personally too. Maybe, maybe you've received a love letter before. It's a wonderful thing, good for your heart, to receive a love letter especially if you're in love with that person yourself. Very encouraging thing from someone to receive a a, a letter that expresses love to you from someone you love. And what you would do is then read that letter over and over again. You don't want to miss a word. You try to absorb everything written in it. Drink it in. Draw it in your heart. Basically get to know the whole letter off by heart. Right? Right? That's what the Word of God is about. The Word of the Lord. A love letter from God. Absorb it. Search it. Not just with your mind, especially with your heart. It's a good thing to know everything the Bible says and be able to win a game of Bible trivia if there is such a thing as trivia in the Bible, by the way. But that's not the ultimate aim. The ultimate aim is to know your Lord and Savior in your heart. By knowing his word. Reading his love letter. That's to love him. Have a living relationship of love with your savior Jesus Christ. If you love him. You'll also love his word more and more and more. Search it like a love letter to drink in his awesome love for you. And you you can have a love relationship at a distance with someone. Also with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters. Through his word. And you can speak to him in prayer. On the other hand, if there isn't that growing in the relationship of love for Christ through the word, through searching the word and knowing it, you're going to end up on a dangerous path. Even if you have all God's glorious covenant promises. What happens then is that Bible reading just becomes a custom. You dutifully read some words of the Bible every day. Everything looks fine on the outside, but you're actually not even thinking about it, not searching the Word of God anymore, meditating on it. Your mind is somewhere else. And then you actually begin to think it's a bit of a waste of your time to open this this book. And then you make it shorter and shorter. And you find excuses to skip it more and more. And what happens then is that eventually it doesn't speak to you at all anymore. And you might as well leave it shut then, you figure. Or rather, the, Lord, the Lord's Spirit doesn't speak to you in it anymore. You can't connect with it anymore. It's irrelevant to you. And you know why? It's not because this book is not effective, but your love has grown cold. And you don't see it anymore as a love letter from your mediator to you. Instead of it making you warm at heart, it irritates you. So you want to leave it on the shelf. 
Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we have to learn to love our mediator and savior through opening and knowing his word. And that's something that takes work. Because every couple here knows that a relationship takes work. It takes work. A marriage takes a lot of work. A relationship with our Savior takes a lot of work too. We have to go back to his love letter every time again. Search the gospel. Actually think it over. What is this saying to me? What is God saying to me here? What is Christ for me here? Think about it. Meditate on it. And the more you do that, the more you discover him in it. His great love. His awesome grace. His amazing work for you. And you see his deep love for his bride, his church. And you see his love for you. And what that means for your everyday life too then. Whoever lives close to this word, congregation, opens a way to grow in faith. Living faith. Faith that is amazed. And to grow in that faith is to grow in thankfulness and it's to grow in love for the mediator God has sent you. His son, born man in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, true man, true God. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the scriptures, making yourself known in the scriptures, which is, which are the, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How else would we learn to know and love our Savior? We pray that you will give us the will and the discipline to continually be busy with those scriptures to know them and also center our lives around them and above all that we may be amazed by the good news of Jesus Christ so that our faith is truly living faith in him heart felt love for him in his name we pray amen let's sing congregation in response to the proclamation hymn 18 stanzas 1 2 and 3